Congratulations, you have found me again. Welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is. It's a show that takes a closer look at popular songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call, and hey, the lights are working in the studio, and that's a good thing for a change. Don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other things that don't necessarily fit well into the podcast. Also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which has some other stuff that'll keep you busy. You can find it over at facebook.com slash how, how good it is pod. The show is still a featured podcast on the Podcast Republic app. In fact, if you go to their webpage, uh, podcastrepublic.net, right there, featured podcast front page. We are right there up on the front page. Sweet, huh? Podcast Republic has a bunch of features that you're just not going to find on other podcast apps. And the ones that do appear elsewhere, well, Podcast Republic, I don't know, they just seem to do it better. Go find it by clicking the button at the How Good It Is website, or you can look in the Google Play Store. I have to apologize. I made a weird goof last week when I, uh, well, not in the recording, because the, the podcast itself is okay uh, for Smoke on the Water. But I wrote something kind of bizarre, and it serves me right for, you know, doing these things at three in the morning. But that's the way I operate with this podcast sometimes. And when I posted the, the, the thing to Facebook, and I, I, I put up the same thing. I just copy and paste and paste and paste. And I put it into several different Facebook groups in, in addition to the How Good It Is uh, uh, Facebook page. And I wrote something about how Smoke on the Water was Deep Purple's first and biggest hit. And that's clearly not true. Uh, their first hit was Hush, and it was a few years earlier. And But it was it was definitely their biggest hit. Hush, they both songs reached number four. Hush dropped off the charts faster. Smoke on the Water kind of hung in there for an extra couple of weeks. So Hush, is, uh, uh, Hush was their first hit, but Smoke on the Water was the bigger hit of the two. All right. That said, um, I haven't done this in a long time. Let's do a trivia question. We have some songs out there that don't have a lot of words to them, sometimes because they're short, like The End by The Beatles, which has 21 unique words, or because they're just the same verse repeated, like You Are So Beautiful by Joe Cocker, which has 31 words, or uh, The One I Love by R.E.M., which has 19 unique words. But there's a song, and it was a number one song for three weeks that has even fewer unique words. Name that song. And I'm not cheating by coming up with an instrumental here. This is a song with lyrics, just not a lot of them. I'll have the answer for you at the end of the show. Now, hip-hop and uh, rap music, have kind of had a, they've always had kind of a weird relationship with the uh, popular music charts. Part of this, I think, is the general difficulty that club-based music, regardless of the genre, uh, has a, a difficult time crossing over to the pop charts. And part of it goes to some genuine obstruction on the part of radio programmers and later on MTV. And this always struck me as a little bit peculiar because most raps, especially in those early days of the late 70s and early 80s, were either a little bit goofy, they were kind of fun and fun, Funny, or they were very positive and self-affirming. The gangster sound that most people associate with rap nowadays didn't really come around until eh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but as with so many other forms of music that started with black culture, it took a white act to bring it to the forefront. <laughs> Late in 1978, Debbie Harry of the band Blondie invited Nile Rodgers from the band Chic to to a hip-hop event. At this point, pretty much every rap song used an existing song as the backing track, and Rodgers kind of filed that away in the back of his head. About a year later, Chic was playing along with Blondie and The Clash at the Palladium in New York, and when Chic began playing uh, Good Times, 
rapper Fab Five Freddy and some members of what later became known as the Sugar Hill Gang jumped up on the stage and they started freestyling with the band. Now, a few weeks after that, Rogers was in a club and he heard the DJ play a song that used that same hook from Good Times, that bass line. And he asked the, the DJ, hey, what record is this? Well, the DJ said he had just picked it up in Harlem. That record turned out to be an early version of Rapper's Delight. I said a hip, the hip, the hip, the hip, hip, hop, you don't stop. Rock it out, baby, bubble to the boogity, bang, bang, the boogie to the boogity beat. Now, ultimately, this led to a copyright infringement lawsuit, but that's a slightly different story. So while there are a couple of other contenders for the first hip-hop record, uh, Rapper's Delight is generally considered to be the first commercially successful hip-hop record, making it to number 36 in the U.S. and charting higher across Europe and even making it to number one in Canada and the Netherlands. At any rate, it was also around this time that Blondie, the band, got to meet with Fab Five Freddy and his posse at a club, and Freddy suggested that Debbie Harry write a song about him. She and Chris Stein kind of warmed up to the idea, and Rapture was the result. Now, there are a couple of different versions of the song. The most common one, the one attached to the video, and the one that was usually used for our radio play, starts with this kind of disco funk section, and then it moves into an extended rap segment, and then it finishes with a guitar solo and a fade. Uh, the album version breaks the rap into two sections with an additional sung verse in between. Uh, there's a longer guitar solo and fade, and it's maybe 40 seconds longer altogether. And that's in the U.S. Now, in the U.K. and other markets, the record was completely remixed. And then there was this special disco mix that had different introduction, had more overdubs on the percussion, and it's about 10 minutes long. And that was actually the basis of the U.K. 7-inch version. It was an edit of the special disco mix without the extra verse. Then that version with the extra verse was what you got when you bought the Best of Blondie compilation in 1981. And that's just for the time that the song was hot. There are the remixes and re-recordings for other collections over the years, and I'm going to come back to some of that in a minute. So the record was released in uh, January of 1981, and as I mentioned a minute ago, it wasn't the first commercially successful rap song, but it was the first one to top the charts, reached number one on both the Hot 100 and the dance charts in the U.S., and it was a top 20 hit throughout most of Europe. Of course, the video was also a big deal, as it was MTV's first rap video, and in fact was part of their first 90 video rotation, and it's still pretty fun to watch. It didn't debut on MTV because MTV wasn't quite a thing yet. That came a few months later. Remember, the, the video and the song came out in January of 1981. MTV didn't launch until August. Uh, but it did debut on a show called Solid Gold, which those of you of a certain age might remember. Uh, the video starts in the East Village uh, section of Manhattan, and we see a man in a white suit and a top hat. Sometimes he's called the Man from Mars, and sometimes he's called the Voodoo God. He's played by dancer William Barnes, anyway, who also choreographed the video. The man dances down the street, and then he descends into the basement of a building where a party is taking place. He never enters the room, but on the other side of the window, he can see Debbie Harry singing the first couple of verses of the song to the camera while she dances with various partygoers. From there, we cut to Fab Five Freddy himself playing the turntables while she begins the rap. 
Now, the entire rap portion of the song is done in one continuous shot, and she's wandering a street while passing characters like the man in white, Uncle Sam, a guy dressed as a Native American, a young ballerina, and somebody leading a goat through a shot, because of course he was. Uh, we also see in the background graffiti artists Lee Quinones and Jean-Michel Basquiat. Uh, Basquiat was hired to fill in when Grandmaster Flash, who also gets name-checked in the rap, didn't show up for the video shoot. As we move into the guitar solo in the fade, the man in white leads everyone off that underground street and back up from the basement to walk in, into the East Village. So as I mentioned before, there were a few different remixes after the song faded from the charts. The song was uh, remixed for their 1988 collection, Once More Into the Bleach, and again in 1994, and it actually managed to hit number 8 on Billboard's Dance Club play chart at that time. Then, in 2014, the band went back into the studio and re-recorded the song, among other songs, for a compilation album celebrating the band's 40th anniversary. Now, I realize everyone's 35 years older at that point, and, and voices change as you age, but Deborah Harry just sounds kind of over it this time around. There's also a video of, uh, of a recording of, of this song at that time, and I, I think it's a rehearsal because it sounds a little bit different. And in that one, she just she actually sounds kind of bored with the song. It's kind of weird. Anyway, in uh, 2005, Rapture was unofficially mashed up with The Doors' Riders on the Storm by Go Home Productions. The remix was eventually approved by both bands and released as Rapture Riders, performed by Blondie versus The Doors. This track also got onto the dance play chart in the U.S. not typically a fan of mashups, but I kind of like this one. The song was also covered by synth band Erasure in 1997 for their album Cowboy, and it was released as a B-side in the UK. And while for the most part it's pretty typical Erasure, I want you to hear something. Listen to the chime notes here. Not 100% positive, but I'm pretty sure that Vince Clark is genuinely playing the chimes on this track, which is kind of neat, because while it sounds like Blondie's version has chimes, in fact, that's Chris Stein playing those notes on his guitar. So Rapture was pretty much Blondie's last original Hot 100 hit, although they made it to their dance charts in recent years with a couple of tracks, and even managed to hit number one in the UK with this 1999 track called Maria. Looks like she don't care. 
Maria was a top 10 hit in a few countries and on the U.S. dance chart, but it only went to number 82 on the Hot 100. Okay, it's time for the answer to the trivia question. I had asked about the hit song with the smallest number of unique words, and I have to admit that when I first came up with this question, I had a definitive answer, and then I realized there's a second correct answer. So in the context of my original question, I noted that the song went all the way to number one in the U.S., and in fact, it held that position for three weeks in November of 1975. That song was Fly, Robin, Fly by the Silver Convention, which had exactly six unique words. Fly, Robin, Up, To, The, and Sky. But you know what? While I was writing this show, it crossed my mind that Silver Convention had another hit, and it also only had six words to it. However, this song only made it as far as number two in the United States. That song reached its chart peak in June of 1976, and it was called Get Up and Boogie. So why so few lyrics for this group? Well, it turns out that the members of Silver Convention were German and they spoke no English whatsoever. Therefore, they couldn't memorize an entire page of lyrics that they didn't understand. So the composers, well, they were kind and they did some rewriting on their behalf. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. Thanks again to Podcast Republic for featuring the show and next time around, we're going to find out how good it is to kiss and say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye.